0: Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Let's pray together. And Lord, we do. We echo that you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and have their being. And Lord, we are humbled to join in the chorus, not only all around our globe, but in the heavens above, to say, worthy are you of all glory and honor and power and praise. And Lord, today, particularly as we celebrate the turning of a page, from one chapter to another in the lives of so many people that we love so dearly, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. For life we have learned is a series of pages being turned, new chapters opening, and those that we've finished coming to a close. And so help us, Lord, to hear from you today. As you are here in this place with us, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds to make us more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you that today I'm going to tailor the message toward the graduates, but I hope you listen in because God's Word is timeless and God's Word speaks to all of us right where we are no matter where we are and no matter who we are God's Word is living and active and so His Word speaks to us and here's the danger with God's Word he gets down deep he does through his Holy Spirit he takes his word and he puts it right where it needs to be in us so that all of us though different living different lives experiencing different experiences all can be transformed by the same text, appropriated by the same Holy Spirit, and I pray that that happens today. But today we do. We celebrate the closing of a chapter and the opening of a new one. That's, that's what's interesting about graduation. Graduation is the end, but we call it commencement because it's the beginning. You have come to the end of one chapter of life, and you are stepping by faith into a new chapter. now. I want to give you one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, and it's verses 1 through 3. So I want to invite you to open to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. If you're in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 1008. Page 1008. But, graduates, as you get ready to head off into all these different places and all these different paths, I want to remind you first of some of the things that you've been taught in your journey at First Baptist Church and in your journey of faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to do so using a little bit of a different um, paradigm, using some different words. I want to quote to you J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer is now with the Lord, but he was, the ang- he was an Anglican teacher and a theologian whose last position uh, was as the Board of Governors Professor of Theology at Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. And so J.I. Packer was my doctoral supervisor's doctoral supervisor. So there's some kind of lineage there, I guess. But I want to give you five presuppositions that Packer sets out from his book, Knowing God. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Outside of Scripture, there's probably no other book in the world that has shaped my theological life more than J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Incidentally, why did I tell you about J.I. Packer? Well, because you're getting ready to go read a bunch of books. And one of the things you got to learn how to do is to identify the perspective of the author. Who is this author? Where are they coming from? What agenda might they have? What are they trying to tell me? And why are they trying to tell me that thing? That is vitally important. Don't just take it and say, yeah, this is good. but. Ask the question, who is the author? Well, J.I. Packer set out in his Knowing God, which came out in 1973 and had shaped a whole generation of people, including Billy Graham. Okay? Um, he said, there are five basic truths, five foundational principles about God that are the basis of Christianity. Number one, God has spoken to human beings, and the Bible is his word given to us to make us wise unto salvation. Number two, God is Lord and King over His world. He rules all things for His own glory, displaying His perfections in all that He does in order that human beings and angels may worship and adore Him. Number three, God is Savior, active in sovereign love through the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue believers from the guilt and power of sin, to adopt them as His children and to bless them accordingly. Number four, God is triune. There are within the Godhead three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the work of salvation is one in which all three act together. The Father purposing redemption, the Son securing it, and the Spirit applying it. And number five, godliness means responding to God's revelation in trust and obedience, faith and worship, prayer and praise, submission and service. Life must be seen and lived in the light of God's Word. This and nothing else is true religion. So, in other words, these are the five basics. These are the fundamentals of the faith. There is a God. He has spoken. We have what He said, and His Word speaks to us still today. We've separated ourselves from Him because of our sin, but He so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to separate our sin from us as far as the East is from the West and to adopt us as his children into his family, to call us his own. And he has plans for our lives, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. And the way that we embrace that hope and future that he has for us is by trusting him and following him. And when do we trust him and follow him? In every single moment of our lives. That's been our prayer for you graduates since we met you. That's been your parents' prayer since they learned you were coming. That has been Miss Vicky's prayer as she taught you in children's ministry. It's Lauren Parrish's prayer now as she teaches children in children's ministry. That's Blake Sapp's prayer as he teaches you in student ministry. That's our prayer for you, that you would trust and follow Jesus in every moment. And let me tell you, the prayer hasn't changed. Now as you take this next step, our prayer remains that you would trust and follow Jesus in every moment. So I wanted to remind you of those foundational truths that you've been taught since the beginning, but here's what's fixing to happen, all right? You're getting ready to step out on the limb with God. And there are a lot of people in this room who can tell you that your faith never grows like it does when you step out on the limb with God, because you're getting ready to launch. You're getting ready to take the next step into the life that God has for you, and there are gonna be some uncertainties. You've spent the last four years in your high school environment, Coming to understand what the context is, well, you're getting ready to step into a whole new world. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to have unforeseen things that come. You're going to have challenges that arise. You're going to have people that you've never met. You're going to be challenged by new ideas, and you're going to be challenged by new experiences, and your faith's going to grow. And here's what I want to tell you, and this is the premise of J.I. Packer's book you have knowledge about God and that's wonderful continue to cultivate that but as you cultivate your knowledge about God you've got to continually develop knowledge of God in other words you know about him but the longer you live the more you're going to get to know him and the more you get to know him the more you're going to come to trust him and the more you trust him the more closely you're going to follow him it's this amazing progression Those of you who've graduated from college or high school a year or two ago, and by the way, that span will increase, graduates, faster than you think it will. My goodness gracious, it goes quick. But how many of you have found that through the challenges of life you have faced, God has revealed Himself to you? God has revealed Himself to me more in difficult moments than He has in celebrated moments. God has shown me more when there I mean I was out there and I felt like boy it's all it's it's all on the line. That's when I saw God. And let me tell you why. It's not cuz he's not present in the regular moments. But it's because in those moments when everything's on the line, <laughs> you're paying a lot more attention to him than you normally do. Amen. And so I want to tell you a couple of things as you get ready to walk into a moment of life that can be a little crazy at times. Here's the theme. To run toward joy, and that's what we want you to do. To run toward joy, run to Jesus. To run toward joy, run to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at verse 1. The writer of Hebrews writes, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying, therefore Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. First point is this, you are surrounded by supporters. You are surrounded by supporters. and. The particular supporters that the writer of Hebrews wants us to see are those who've come and gone before us, who've lived their journey, and they live their journey by faith. The Bible says their lives speak to us. They still speak. And he's talking about people like Abel and Enoch and Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Jacobed, Moses, Rahab. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets. This is what the writer of Hebrews says about these people. They are they the ones who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. "'Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated,' listen to this, "'of whom the world was not worthy.'" wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and the caves of the earth. And why in the world did they do all those things? Because they were living by faith in Almighty God. And they were founded upon a fundamental belief that God's way is better than anything the world can offer, even when it doesn't seem that way. God's way is better than anything the world can offer, even when it doesn't seem that way, in the moment. And so these are the great heroes of the faith, but listen, graduates, you're sitting around some of your own personal heroes of the faith. You're being celebrated today by people who have lived out their faith before you. They taught you important things, but we all learn along the way that you catch a whole lot more than we can teach you, and so you've watched. And what you've seen is imperfect human beings seeking to live out the faith once for all delivered to the saints, getting it wrong more than we get it right. But still looking at Jesus. Still coming back to Jesus. Still saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's what we want to encourage you to do, because you're an imperfect human being. And you're going to look to Jesus, and you're going to trust Jesus, and you're going to follow Jesus, and you're going to get it wrong more than you get it right. But always come back to Jesus. Always come back to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us to do some things. Number one, to run our race, we've got to lay aside every weight. So a question that you can often ask yourself is, what is in my life right now that might be holding me back from becoming everything God has made me to be? What is in my life right now that might be holding me back from becoming everything God has made me to be? And frankly, it may be a who. Some of you may remember this was years ago, but there was a motivational speaker named Jim Rohn who set forth this idea that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that's not based on biblical truth. That's based on the law of averages. But as you live, you're going to find that that's pretty true. You'll start talking like the people you hang around. You'll start thinking like the people that you hang around most. You'll start acting like the people that you hang around most. And though that's not based on a biblical principle. There is a biblical principle that my kids are sick of hearing from me. It comes from Proverbs 13:20. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So, love all people. Show all people Jesus. Point all people to the risen Savior. But that doesn't mean that you've got to spend all your time hanging around fools. Don't hang around fools. If you remember nothing else, just catch that one today. Because here's the deal. You'll pay the price they pay because you're there with them. I told you about the time my dad got arrested. He was in the car with a bunch of guys who went into a convenience store, came out with a carton of cigarettes that they did not exchange money for. Well, the police officer did not care that my dad hadn't gone in the store, didn't even know that it had happened. He took him right to jail. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Lay aside every weight, lay aside, the writer of Hebrews says, the sin that clings so closely. So, another question, what is in my life right now that might be actively building distance between me and God? Now, that doesn't mean that God separates Himself from me, for if you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. You are in Christ Jesus. But I can tell you from personal experience that when when I pursue a path that is not what God has for me, not what God has told me is His path. There becomes a distance between me and him, at least from my perception, because God is not going to honor sin in my life. He knows it's killing me. And so he's not going to honor it. He's not going to celebrate it. He's not going to bless me in it. So I'm telling you, just lay it aside. Yes, it clings closely. Yes, the enemy makes it look awful good. But remember, his goal is to steal and to kill and destroy. That's it. That's all he wants to do. But he can't steal and kill and destroy if he doesn't first make it look alluring to you and to me. So lay aside the sin, look to Jesus, and run with endurance. Now let me give you a tip. When I was in college, I actually read part of this book. Now I didn't read the whole thing until after I was out of college. I would encourage you to do that now. But when you actually read this book, this Bible, this holy Word of God, God will change you through it. God will shape you through it. God will challenge you. Jesus said the truth will set you free, but I heard somebody say, yeah, but it'll make you mad first. How many of you have ever been made mad by God's truth? Anybody? But that's the first step into change. I see something that's in me that doesn't need to be there. God's trying to get it out, and I think it ought to be there, and God and I disagree. Well. I want to encourage all of us, agree with God, disagree with yourself, trust God first. It ends better, I'm telling you. But you're gonna have to run with endurance. Jesus promised that you would face difficulties. In John chapter 16, verse 33, what did Jesus say to his disciples? I tell you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ. In this world, you will have trouble. And I'm thankful he didn't stop there. He said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so when you face struggles, because they're coming, and it could just be class struggles. I mean, y'all are getting ready to be handed a stack of syllabi. Let me give you another practical encouragement. Start early. Don't wait until after fall break to… Lock all those assignments in. Christmas will uh, be spent with you catching up on your sleep. Don't do that. But you're going to face struggles. You're going to face challenges. What do you do? Well, you do what verse 2 says. Look with me at Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Our second and final point today is this. You are being sent to soar. You are being sent to soar i gonna tell you something, there are gonna come times when you feel alone, that's, that's part of the human condition. Know that you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. There are those who've lived by faith before you and then there are those right here on this earth. And we are more connected technologically than we've ever been. The people you love the most are never more than a text message away, a phone call away, a Facebook message away, a TikTok, whatever, however you wanna do it, just get to them. And be reminded who you are and where you come from and how many people love you and support you and are rooting for you and are cheering for you. And they're not going to agree with everything you say and do, but guess what? They still love you, and they're there. So you reach out, but you also recognize that you were loved by the God of the cosmos who so loved you that he sent his only begotten son for you. And be reminded that His plans for you are wonderful, and they're bigger than where you are in the moment. When I was in college, sometimes I had, to, I had to just get off campus. I had to go drive. I was in Bowl County. There's a Y in there, but you don't pronounce it. Bowl County. And, Tucker, sometimes I had to be reminded that the world was bigger than Center College. So I'd drive over to Lake Harrington. There's this really creepy old bridge that goes over Lake Harrington, and I would look out and I would see that the world was bigger than the assignments that I had procrastinated on that still had to be finished. God is bigger, and he loves you, and he has plans for you, and he wants great things for you, and he is calling you to a better life. And keep in mind, when the two of you disagree, God's way is better. So what do you do? You fix your eyes on Jesus. You do that by getting in his word, letting him speak to your heart You do that by surrounding yourself with people who will pressure you toward Jesus. You're gonna have peer pressure no matter what. Find some people who are gonna peer pressure you toward Jesus. It works out a lot better, I'm just telling you. Recognize that Jesus is the founder of your faith because it is by his grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not a result of your own works. His faith is a gift from him to you that you might receive his grace and walk in it. You can't boast about the gift He's given you of salvation. No, it was a gift. You just say thank you and you live in it. But He is the founder of your faith. And know this, He is also the finisher of your faith. He will bring to a wonderful conclusion your journey on this earth many decades down the road, we pray, because He will finish, Philippians 1-6 says, the good work that He has begun in you. And He will finish it at the day of Christ Jesus so that… When you face the ultimate final exam, which is not anything that you're going to find on a syllabus in class, but when you stand before the judgment throne of God, having placed your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what you're going to find. Your faith in Jesus was enough to start you on this journey of becoming more like Him, and it's going to be enough to finish you on the day of Christ Jesus as God Almighty looks at you and says, your debt of sin has been paid in full. Come and enjoy the riches of your master's happiness welcome home welcome home graduates homes fixing to take on a whole new meaning for you i found the food was a little better at home laundry that you don't have to put quarters in a machine for is a lot better at home particularly if your mama doesn't home is always available to you And there's a greater home to which God is calling you, to which he is taking you. Look to Jesus. Trust him. Follow him. We know that he ran his own race. He endured. He had to endure a cross. And he did it. Why? Well, the Bible just told us that he did it for the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame and then sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He knew there was a greater joy that awaited. And I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through, there is a greater joy that waits. It's coming so you can endure. I can endure. We can endure together knowing that that whatever circumstance we're facing does not have the final word in our lives. You know who does? Jesus. I got some people I really, really love who are facing cancer right now. And they're asking the question, is cancer going to have the final word in me? Well, guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that answer is never. Jesus has you in his hand, and he will not let you go. Look to Jesus. Why? Well, because as Isaiah told us, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, graduates, we love you and we have been praying for you since before you emerged on the world stage. We're not going to stop. We know God loves you. We know he has incredible plans for you. We don't know what those look like, but we're going to watch them unfold, and we're going to be cheering you on every step of the way. But I want to give this text to you, which has become such a foundational text in my life, in a way that was paraphrased by a guy named Eugene Peterson. Now Eugene Peterson has come to the end of his journey. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He was a theologian who talked often about what it meant to trust and follow Jesus, and he talked about the journey of discipleship is a a journey of a long obedience in the same direction. That's what life is, a long obedience in the same direction. Listen to how he paraphrased Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It's right there on your notes if you want to read along. This is from the message. you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. Will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you first loved us. We thank you that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son for us so that in him we might have everlasting life. Father, we confess that we get it wrong more than we get it right. But your grace remains amazing, and your grace is sufficient. And so, Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to run with perseverance the race that you have marked out for us. And today, we pray specifically for these graduates as they come to the end of one chapter and step into the beginning of yet another. We know you have plans for them to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them hope and a future. We know ultimately that in Jesus Christ, you have the final word for them and you will bring to completion the great work you have begun in them. Lord, we pray that they would know that they are surrounded by supporters and they're being sent to soar to become all God that you have made them to be and redeemed them to be. And so, Lord, we pray that they would become it all. In the name of Jesus, to your glory and the world's good.